I dreamed of traveling the long road, singing my songs to that distant stranger. Yes, I know it's sad for you, but it's something I got to do. And I will be coming home, back to the mountains, back to being free from all there is to be. Coming home to live and the life I once knew. Hello, everyone. And welcome to Bedtime Bible Boys with Brock, Trey, and Theron TJ. Thanks Thanks for for listening. We love you, Mom. And you too, Gail. Boys want to know something cool. What? We have been heard in 12 countries. And I am just so moved by that. Today I saw a new country show up, which was China. And I just thought to myself, I'm just so thankful. I'm so thankful that we have this opportunity um, to participate in sharing the Lord's word and that people are listening. And that even in people in countries that I don't know, guys, for all we know, this person may not have another opportunity to hear of Christ, to hear of the Holy Bible. And I'm just so thankful that maybe somebody would grow a little bit in their faith because they heard us talking at night before we go to bed about that. I just think it's so special. And there have been times throughout this process where I have thought of trying to monetize this endeavor to some extent. And all that's good and well, right? And a lot of churches and people who are involved in churches, they live their life that way. It testified to me that I really don't care that much if this grows or if it can monetize and and make cash flow so that way we can do new work. I really don't care. You know what I care intensely about? that maybe one person's heart in China would have been spoken to. That brought me far more satisfaction about us broadcasting our bedtime routine to the world than any amount of money could have. And I'm thankful because you guys are a part of that. You listen to me every night. You bring in your character and your thoughts. And people want to hear your thoughts. There's children listening. They want to hear what you have to say. Your thoughts are important, and I hope that this individual or these people uh, from China that listen to us, I hope they get the opportunity to again if they're not already, and I'm just so thankful to be able to speak to them and want them to know as well as our other listeners that we love you. Thank you. Thank you for giving us a little bit of your time, and uh, we intend to do this the same way we've been doing it, which is to put aside any type of monetizing thing right now, anything to do with money, and to just freely share the joy that lives in us through studying the Word and growing closer to our Father. That's really our goal. You know, we've been a little bit slow lately. So when we're slow, I just encourage people, continue your own bedtime Bible routine. Talk to your children. You don't have to pick up the Bible and read it necessarily. Um, talk to them 
Ask them what's on their heart. Let them know that you're in their corner. Let them know that no matter what happens, you will protect them, you love them, that no matter how bad they mess up, you are with them, that you're never going to look down and think that they're shameful or disgusting or bad kids, but that you're going to love them through everything, through everything. You know, me and Matt were talking about this today at lunch, and I just want to challenge us and anybody who will listen to this with this idea that let's say let's say you're an alcoholic okay meaning you're not in control the alcohol is in control you don't even want to do it if you could press a button to make it stop you would stop it but you're not the one in control alcohol's in control does that make sense and what did we learn when you're not in control you're out of control. Yeah. Right? Maybe that's what you're doing. And you know, and people, or maybe it's something else. You could fill in whatever your vice is, whatever your coping mechanism is for the difficulties that happen in life. Whatever consumes you and it has to do with a sinful thing that you act out and it, you know, makes you feel better. It could be chemical, it could be behavioral, but whatever that is, a lot of people think after they've messed up, with it for the fifth time or the 500th time or the 5,000th time. It's easy to envision a God who's just kind of sitting back and he's just shaking his head like, I'm so disgusted with you. I've forgiven you for this. Why would you do this to me? Look at all the good stuff I've given you. And you, you put open shame to Christ on the cross and you spit on him and you don't live in in a spirit of thankfulness for all that you have it's easy to take scripture and twist it so that you think God is ashamed to have you as a son or a daughter so that you think God actually pretty much thinks that you're disgusting and he's disgusted with your behavior Let me challenge you with this. I don't think it's about that at all. You know what I envision in the Father? I envision somebody whose heart is broken for you. Who's sad. He knows the things that have happened inside your brain. He knows the things that have happened inside your heart because of all the evil that this world has to offer. And he hurts for you. He feels sorry for you. He feels sorry that you've gone through that. Notice, even it's the things that you've done, the decisions you've made. I believe he feels sorry that you feel like an orphan. That you feel like you don't have a father. That you feel like you don't have a God in your corner who's with you. I think he looks down in those situations. He is not disgusted at all. He wants to comfort you. He wants to hug you. In a sense, I don't even think his initial reaction is that he wants to change you. I think his initial reaction is he just wants to love you and comfort you. And let you know it's okay. Let you know he loves you. Let you know that he is not disgusted with you. No. He weeps for you. 
because he understands the flesh you're in because he's lived in it and he understands this world what it can do to you that it can permanently change your brain when you decide to do certain things and I think he really does feel feel for us in that sense and it's not hard to imagine if you just if you're a loving parent and you think of your own kid going through something when they have an addiction that has just a grasp on their heart it might upset you a little bit right we're humans right so we're not able to love with full capacity like the lord but it might upset you their behaviors sometimes you might get mad about it but really what you really wish is that you could just go back to that moment before they ever started and take back all of the changes that that thing had done to them that that behavior or that addiction had done to them you know and you really wish you could just comfort them through it i just want to challenge us with that to picture our father instead of somebody who's judging us thinking of how grotesque we are and being disgusted with us thinking of him as the god who loves us the father who is with us he is in our corner no matter what who wants to fight against the sin for us he doesn't want to fight it because without it we're unacceptable we have been made acceptable through jesus christ on the cross there is no other name by which we may be saved but by that of the name jesus christ he knows that and when you've come to jesus you are covered you are covered in his blood there is no sin that you can do there is nothing that can separate you from his love it's not going to happen period yeah um that made that made me think um so how some people um how you said take the scripture and then twist it to make them think that they're judged by god mm-hmm. it's probably because to them a decision they made is so bad that um it's very hard for even them to accept themselves and then they just get that thought and i think that um thought that you're judged by god comes from satan i i believe that listen satan will twist scripture you, you know when jesus was being tempted in the desert for 40 days yeah do you remember what satan did to him he tempted him to like um he made disobey it. the god his god that's right he tempted him to disobey and do you remember what he used to try he used and enti- scripture that's right do you remember that he used verses i think either all three or at least two of them were out of deuteronomy to try and entice Christ to sin. So so he was twisting scripture. Now Christ was obviously well-rooted in the word. He is the word. He is God. He corrected the devil like he dismissed. That's twisting. Let me give you a scripture that combats that and give it in the true nature. Right? It's kind of like he's untwi- untwisting it. Yeah, that's thank. Yes, that's right. He's untwist. He untwisted it, and said, "Satan, I'm not going to let you twist this." Right, and I think you're right, Trey. It's it's the work of the devil to twist scripture and make us feel like we're condemned. If you take the stance that after coming to Christ, you are now going to be held accountable and condemned for your sin, there are so many verses in scripture that you have to deny 
in the New Testament in order to do that. The better possibility, the the more probable understanding is that over time, the scripture has been used in some regards to exercise control over people, by people. And so these translations sometimes have a little bit of a legalistic nature just based on the need to try and control people. And it's not, I mean, think about it. Parents do it to their kids all the time, not with scripture, but parents try and control their kids. You might even tell your kids stretches of the truth just to try and to control them. Not because you don't like them, because you think you know what's best for them and like you want them to live the life that you have planned for them. And there's nothing, that's not like bad intent. You really do want people to know what's best for them. And I, I don't necessarily think that legalism has to be, it, that it's evil to, like the person who teaches legalism is necessarily trying to do evil to people. I think they're trying to help control their behavior. But we've already talked about this. That's just not what the Bible's about, is behavior modification. We talk about sin a lot. And therefore, we admit that we want to modify our behavior. But we don't want to modify our behavior so that way we're acceptable to God. We want to modify our behavior so that way we can truly rest in the peace that he has purchased for us on the cross. Right? It's really about our peace now. But we're not trying to modify our behavior so that way we can please him. Even, we talked about this the other night, even Paul says that when you try and do that, when you try and modify your behavior and be good enough to please him, you know what your good behavior is like to God? Just a little piece of a crumb. Dirty rags. That's right. Your best behavior, the things that you're going to do to impress your God, is like dirty rags to him. Those things are like dirty rags. You know what's not like a dirty rag to him? you, your heart. That's really what he's interested in. He's a good father. He's interested in you. He's interested in your heart. He's interested in having a relationship with you. But when you think you're going to gain that relationship by the things, the good things that you're going to do, that's dirty rags to him. He doesn't want your relationship with him to be based on these good things you're going to do. Good things are good things. I'm not preaching against good things right? But to think that somehow you're validating your position with God through those things, they're dirty rags. He just wants your heart. And as you give your heart to him, you're going to do good things. But that's going to be the side effect, not the purpose. Does that make sense? Yeah. The purpose is to know him, to have a relationship with him. And you're right, Trey, these, uh, you know, people who, who, uh, people do make terrible mistakes. Sometimes they make mistakes they can never forgive themselves for. And that's sad. Especially when you consider the fact that God has forgiven you. He already has. If you can't forgive yourself, then you're saying that your standard is higher than God's. If God's forgiven you, who's left? Nobody. We can literally bring all of our faults, all of the ugly things, out on the table. If there's somebody who doesn't forgive us, if there's somebody who judges us, then they have not been made perfect in love. 
that's a fallacy of their heart. Don't ever let that person judge you and make you feel like you're anything less than acceptable and beautiful because that person is not in the place to be judged. It's okay to tell somebody, hey, that you know, we shouldn't do that. That's not good for you. That's different. But judging you as ugly, disgusting, whatever, because of the decisions you make, unforgivable because of the decisions you make, now you're putting yourself on a pedestal higher than God. There's a big problem with that. Yeah. So we didn't end up actually reading any of the word tonight, but I, I think it was good that we talked about that. It's always good to be reminded of God's eternal salvation through Jesus Christ. That the relationship, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, the basis for our relationship with him was totally obliterated and made new. Just made completely new. And it frees us. You know, like, we're free. It's important for you boys, and because we've somewhat been speaking to our listeners tonight, it's important to know that you don't have to hold any any sin, no matter how bad you think it is, no matter how disappointed you think people are going to be, no matter how rotten or ashamed you feel, you should always bring it out into the light. The people who truly love you are going to love you. They're going to help you. Even if that just means, that doesn't mean fixing you. That can just mean help you because they listen and let you know, don't worry about that. I've faced the same issues. Peace isn't there. That's for sure. But I love you. That's what helping someone can look like. Right? Doesn't sound a lot like fixing them. It's just listening and let them know that I'm here with you. I'm in your corner. You can depend on me. And when we know our position with the Father and that the Father is looking down on us like that, gosh, all of a sudden we have something to give people. We can do it for someone else because we know the source of who's doing it for us. Mm -hmm. I love you, boys. Love you, too. And I am always in your corner. You guys are good kids. Mm -hmm.